Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today is number six in the seven sayings Jesus made from the cross. And this one, Jesus said, it is finished. Was the plan of redemption finished? No. So what was finished? Hang around. We'll get to it. Join me today on Student of the Word. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Good morning and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. We've been taking up for the past five days. Today is day number six and tomorrow's number seven of the seven sayings that Jesus made on the cross and we'll be finishing it just a couple of days before the day we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As far as I'm concerned, Easter is the greatest time of the year. It's the greatest celebration. I, listen, Christmas is wonderful. I'm glad Jesus was born into this earth, but his birth did not save me. It was his death on the cross and resurrection that saved me. In fact, it was the resurrection that gave me eternal life. So I do celebrate the fact that Jesus came into this earth, born of a virgin, but he knew his job and he knew his responsibility. And today we're going to take up the sixth saying from the cross. It is finished, but this is not the reference to the plan of salvation. It's a reference to the law, that the law was now finished. In fact, it wasn't until later on Jesus died. And when he gave up the ghost, and then when he arose from the dead, that's when salvation was complete for us. And actually, as far as God was concerned, it was actually completed when Jesus even arose into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And he told him to sit there until he makes his enemy his footstool. And so this is really when the whole plan of redemption was complete, when Jesus arose from the dead and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. Take a look with me at John chapter 19 and verse 30. This is when Jesus made the sixth statement from the cross. And while you're finding that again, let me just thank you, all of you who support the ministry. Listen, you listen. I know why you give. You give because you love God and you love people. That's the two major reasons to give. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 3, that uh, if you have not love, then giving profits you nothing. And giving is supposed to profit you. But the reason why it profits you is because you give out of love. You don't give to get. That's not the purpose. And that's not the motive behind giving. You give because you love people, spreading the gospel, and you love God the Father. So I know you value this ministry and you love me. And there's a connection between you and me, your heart. And because you love me, you give to those that need the gospel out there, but especially those who need the word of God. And this ministry, the main push of it is discipleship. I'm out to create disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I thank you for being faithful to give into this ministry. And uh, through it, we began to accomplish a lot of things. Listen, I just want to admonish you. Many of you have been giving for some time. You have prospered. You have come, It's have, it has come back to your life as profit, as it says there in 1 Corinthians 13, 3. But you know, when you profit, you should be looking for, again, more ways to give. I'm simply asking you, maybe it's time for you just to look at that and say, I can increase it. I'm not telling you how much to increase it. That's between you and the Lord, between you and your finances. And so if you can, I appreciate it because we are stretching out to increase this broadcast. We're going on new stations and things like that. And I trust God, but I also trust you because you two are linked together. God can't just pour money out of heaven. He creates it and brings it through you in this earth. And so this is what we're looking for. So thank God for you and thank God for your faithfulness and thank God for your hunger and love for the things of God. So if you can increase it, fine. If you've never become a partner, join with me. Be glad to have you. There's a great family of, of Christians around me, great family of disciples themselves seeking after a way to create more disciples in this earth. Isaiah 33, 6 says, wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. 
Really, God is not looking for just more converts in the earth. He's looking for more disciples, those who are stable. A disciple is a stable Christian. Believe me, what we need in this earth today is stable Christians. This is what this ministry is dedicated to. If I can fulfill one, two, three percent of that number that needs to be out there, I've done my part. And those who support me have done the part. And listen, you're going to get to heaven and he's going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. So if you'd like to become a partner with me, go to my website, bobyandia.com. There you'll find a place where you can become a partner with me. John 19, 30 says this, after Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Jesus had refused it the first time when they tried to give it to him on a sponge and he said, and he shook his head. This time he asked for it. And so they brought it to him and again, he took it. But when he said at the end of that, after drinking it, he said, it is finished. He again was not referring to the plan of redemption. He was referring to the law. Matthew chapter five and verse 17 says this, do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. This should help us understand something. If Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, why are we trying to destroy it? We're trying to put it away. So it was crucified to the cross. It's gone. It's over. No, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. And Jesus becomes our example. If Jesus could fulfill the law, guess what? So can we. He accomplished that two ways. He fulfilled the law by number one, walking in the word of God and living by the word of God. The second is being led by the Holy Spirit. For if we're led by the spirit, we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And this again comes back to fulfilling the law. We don't sin when we walk by the word and we don't sin when we walk by the Holy Spirit. Say, yeah, but I've sinned in my life. That's because you got your eyes off the word. You got your eyes off the, the holiness of the Holy Spirit and you got it onto yourself and you, and you messed up and you sinned. The Bible says these things I write to you, that's the word of God, that you sin not. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous son of God is there on our behalf as our mediator, but also as our attorney in heaven, but also as the one that we come to as our great high priest and confess our sins to him and he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, gets us right back into fellowship with God. Now we can walk according to the word of God and again, walk in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law of the prophets. I came to fulfill it. Well, through his lifetime, he was fulfilling it, but at this point it was over. And that's why he said, it is finished. The purpose of the law was to teach of Jesus Christ but now we have a different way of fulfilling it. I don't fulfill the law by fulfilling the law. I fulfill the law by walking in the word of God. I fulfill the law by, by the walk, walk of the Holy Spirit and leaning on the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 10, verses six and seven says this. I'll give you a moment to find it. Jesus had just come into this earth. He was actually laying in the manger at this time, but out of his deity, he spoke to God the Father because he was deity. Deity never grew up. Deity could always talk to God, but in his humanity, he had to grow up. In fact, it was Jesus who increased in uh in stature and in favor with God and man. So he's in his humanity, he grew up in his humanity, he learned, but his deity always was full of the knowledge of God, never learned anything, didn't have to, he knew everything. And now he communicates with God, the father. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses six and seven. Here he says to the father in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have had no pleasure. Now the word pleasure here means permanent pleasure. God was temporarily appeased by the burnt offerings and sacrifices of the Old Testament, but he was not permanently satisfied. Verse seven goes on to say, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. The volume of the book was every jot, tittle, fulfilling every part of the Old Testament. The volume of the book is the Old Testament. And he says, I've come to fulfill it. 
I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Now Jesus on the cross says it is finished. He's referencing the fact every prophecy, every sacrifice, every law I have fulfilled perfectly. I have not sinned. I have not come against God. Was he tempted in all points as we are? Absolutely, but he never yielded to it. In fact, I think the closest Jesus came to giving up on the plan of God was the night before in the garden where he was praying and said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. His flesh did not want to. He had no nature of the flesh, but in his own natural self, he didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to go through all that pain, but he, but he put the will of God above that. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He even submitted himself to going to the cross, showing the extent by which he would go and suffer for your sins and my sins. And so now, again, when he went to the cross, now the sixth saying is, he said, it is finished. The work of the law was over. And so uh, in far as Jesus came, he fulfilled it for us. And him being the first one to fulfill it, he has now given us his word and he's now given us the power of the Holy Spirit so we can fulfill it too. So the prophets who spoke of and showed his coming spoke out in here, Luke chapter 18 and verse 31, Jesus speaks on that and says, all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished. This accomplishment is again, fulfilling the law. The coats, listen to think, all the things of the law pointed to Jesus Christ. Every part of the law pointed to Jesus Christ. And again, it said in the book of Galatians that the purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ, to teach us about Christ. It was our schoolmaster to instruct us in Christ. But after we've come to Christ, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. And so Jesus said again, all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished. So we think about this from even before the law was given, everything was a symbol of Jesus Christ that God did for man. The coats of skins that he gave to Adam and Eve and Abel's lamb that was offered, Jesus has clothed us in righteousness and salvation. That's what they symbolize, the Ark of Noah. Jesus is our shelter from storm. Abraham offered Isaac, but killed the ram instead. God should have sacrificed us, but Jesus substituted for us. The blood on the doorposts protected Israel. We're protected from the destroyer by Jesus' blood. The Passover lamb told of Jesus, the lamb of God. The law itself in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 and 19 says this. Verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The curse of the law was more. It included poverty, sickness, spiritual death. All those things are listed. But the main curse of the law was we couldn't keep it. It was a, the moment we went to try to keep it, it was way above us. The standards of the law was far above what we were capable of doing, but it literally was saying, here's my standard. It was God's standard, a standard which he only could keep. And only his son that came to this earth and took on a human body and went to the cross for us could keep that law. He fulfilled it, kept it every jot and tittle. And on the cross, that sixth saying said, it is finished. For it goes on to say, in that verse of scripture, Galatians 3, 13, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 19, the law was added until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. The law was added till Jesus Christ came because God promised Abraham and his seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, of a promise that was coming. And that was that it would be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. The serpent on the pole, Jesus on the cross. Our sins and sicknesses taken by him from us 
the sacrifices no longer needed to be offered. Hebrews chapter 10, verses one through four, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers perfect. For then they would not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers once purged would have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Verse 18, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering of sin. Once Jesus went to the cross, remission of sin. Once Jesus did that and God was satisfied, no more offering. Every sacrifice was temporary in the Old Testament, right up till those being offered, even before Jesus went to the cross, they were all temporary. You know why? Because those sacrifices did not ultimately please God. After the sacrifice was given, God said, I'm momentarily appeased. I'm momentarily appeased. And day after day, hundreds of times, it's okay for the moment. It's okay for the moment. Jesus arose from the dead and God said, that's it. The perfect sacrifice will never need to offer another sacrifice again. Now, the beauty of it is today we can partake of communion, all those things in remembrance of what Jesus did, but what he did for us is totally over. The plan of redemption is complete. All we have to do is accept it. I'll see you right after halftime. Jesus' final words, the last seven statements that he made before descending and ultimately ascending from earth into heaven, hold great significance for both the believer and for the world. In this six-part topical study, Pastor Bobby Indian closely examines and explains the seven statements Jesus made from the cross. Studying those statements carefully sheds light on their significance in the lives of believers today. Message titles include, Father, forgive them. Today in paradise, behold your son. My God, my God, I thirst. It is finished and Father, into your hands. To order seven sayings from the cross, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Pastors, ministers, I know many of you would like to have some evening classes. Maybe you don't have enough in the congregation to really have fellowships, home groups, things like that. But this is the most important. This is supplemental the Word of God. I have a curriculum series, 10 30-minute uh, lessons on video, as well as my book on end times that goes along with it, a teaching on the subject of probably one that pastors fear the most is end times. Don't understand it. With all the different viewpoints today, I come back to the basic of what the Word of God says. There is a rapture of the church coming, and seven years later after that, Jesus is coming back to establish His millennial kingdom on this earth. And so much is taught in the Word of God about the simplicity of what God is saying. Once you understand it, then it seems like confusion is gone. If you'd like to do this, you might have a time where you do it over a two-week period, five nights a week, or spread it out into 10 weeks, whatever you would like to do. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. And on top of that, your congregation will come out smarter on the other end, and you'll look good because you brought it into the church. See about having this series just for yourself. 
So the reason why Jesus could say on the cross, it is finished is because the sacrifices no longer needed to be offered. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that once that was offered, no more offerings need to be made. The perfect offering had come taking care of every sin, every disease, every sickness, every curse on mankind, except for the curse that's in the earth that will be one day removed that Adam brought in. But the curse of the law was everything that kept us away from God, apart from God. And so that was us being a sinner and the sins we have committed, Jesus Christ. Christ went to the cross and died for the not only the nature of the sin, but every sin we've ever committed. And so once we're born again, we now stand in good standing with God and we're not under the law, but we can still fulfill it. It's still here. It was never destroyed, but I fulfilled the law today, not by fulfilling the law. I fulfill the law by walking in the spirit and walking in the word of God. Let's go back to those verses we ended with Hebrews chapter 10. Take a look again at verses one through four. It says the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, the image of all those things, everything in the law was a shadow of Jesus Christ. Some portrayed different parts of him. So whether it was the turtle doves or pigeons or rams or lambs or all the way up to the oxen, every one of those things spoke of Jesus Christ, whether or not it was the salt offering or the incense or the other offerings that were made to the Lord or the laws themselves, everything pointed to Jesus Christ and he came and fulfilled every one of them, every jot and tittle. Verse one again, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers to it perfect. For then would they have ceased to be offered. But the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made every year of sins. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Verse 18, where remission of sins is, there is no more offerings for sin. So that's the beauty of it. Once Jesus came and fulfilled every part of it, no more offering needs to be made. I kind of like to think of it this way. You know, uh, propitiation means uh, satisfaction, that God was satisfied with the work of Jesus. And really the one sense that we have out of the five senses we have, the ones that is the closest to propitiation is the sense of smell. It's more closely attached to the memory than any other of the uh, senses we have. And so when Jesus arose from the dead, God smelled it. And that incense and the smell of that offering, he said, that's what I've been waiting for all these years. Every other sacrifice had a semblance of this. But again, I, as soon as it was over, no, there's still remembrance of sins. The moment that he took that odor and smelled it, that wonderful incense of Jesus Christ's resurrection, God said, that's it. There's no more sacrifices need to be made. God was no longer temporarily appeased. He was satisfied once and for all, which means again that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law, again, was the fact that we couldn't keep it. There's lots of curses in the law we've been redeemed from. Poverty, sickness, spiritual death, all those are in there. But the curse of the law, singular, is the fact that we couldn't keep it. And this is what Paul had reference to in the book of Galatians, where he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. John 19, 30 says this again. This is the verse where he gives the sixth statement from the cross. After Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Actually, he didn't say it is finished. In fact, if you go to that, you'll find it is finished is all one word. It's the word finished. He just screamed out, finished. 
because now everything that he had come to do as far as keeping the law was over. The plan of redemption was not yet complete. The plan of redemption was not complete till Jesus Christ died, went into the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, was quickened down there by the Holy Spirit and God the Father, raised up by the power of God. And then when Jesus Christ stood on this earth and then ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, that's when salvation was completed. And the reason why he sat down was not because he was tired. Okay, I would be tired after 33 years, you know, but Jesus didn't sit down because he was tired any more than God rested on the seventh day after creating everything because he was tired. God doesn't get tired. He sat down because everything was over. And Jesus sat down in heaven because everything was over. There was nothing else left to do. And he just sat down. It's kind of like when you finish doing a job, baby. You may not even be tired, but you sit down and look at it. You know, it's done. It's over. What my wife's been asking me to do to the house, I finally did it. And it didn't take as long as I thought it was going to do all the griping and complaining I did. It didn't work. You know, look at this. It's done. And you sit down to admire what you've done. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father and admired the work and has been admiring it ever since. And you know what? Every time we're born again, we're part of the work he admires of what happened on the cross. So Jesus said again, finished on the cross. It was not a cry of the completion of all things. His suffering was not yet finished. Salvation was not yet complete. His completed work was not yet done. Jesus finished different parts of his ministry at different times, such as he finished his ministry works before the cross. He had done all those works. John 17, 4, I have glorified you in the earth. I have finished the work you gave for me to do. So before Jesus went to the cross, he completed all the work that God had asked him to do. That included not only keeping the law, that included not only the laws that he, that he uh, was given from the Old Testament, but also the requirements that God placed on his ministry, the healing of disease, bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ, preaching the word of God. In John 17, this is the prayer before Jesus was arrested. And Jesus said, from this point on, I'm not gonna preach again. Jesus never preached after that point. Here's the interesting thing. During the 40 days while Jesus walked on this earth, and during that time period while he was here and showed himself, he never preached a sermon, never did a miracle, never healed anybody, never led anybody to the Lord. No, he just showed himself. Why? Because his job was over. From the time that he arose from the dead and went to heaven and came back, he had to do that first of all, presenting his blood, but also he even told Mary, don't touch me right now. I have to. I have not yet ascended to my father. He went up before the father to show the work was complete, but came back down here for 40 days and walked on this earth in a resurrected body, but never preached a sermon, never performed a miracle, never healed anybody. He just showed himself to different people. And then, because that work was about to be turned over to the church on the day of Pentecost, and Jesus arose from the earth and went into heaven just a few days before the day of Pentecost and told them, don't you dare budge till you've gone to the upper room and you're anointed by the Holy Spirit. So John 17, four tells us before the time he got there and was in that garden, I glorified you in the earth. I'd finished the work that you've given for me, for me to do. So when he said there, that work was finished, it was on the cross. He said, now it's finished. He said it's over, but he was not referring to his works then. He was referring to the law. Every part of Jesus' ministry had completion parts to it. Even after the resurrection, he still had more to do. So John 20 and verse 17 is where he said to Mary, don't touch me, I have not yet ascended to my father. Redemption was totally finished at his ascension. 
but the plan of the ages is still being completed. Redemption was completed. Salvation in his work was completed, but he still has plans for the ages yet to come. Hebrews chapter one and verse three says this, when he had by himself purged our sins, this is after he arose from the dead and our sins were purged, taken care of, and all that's left on our part is to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's not my part to try to live right before God so I can get saved. No, I get saved first, then I can live for God. I have the power to do it. But I don't come to him with all my works. I don't come to him with all my goodness. I don't come to him with all my righteousness because it's filthy rags in his sight. I come before him to do one thing, receive Jesus as Savior, because that's the one sin Jesus didn't die for was rejection of himself, and he left that one to us. Every other sin he has died for, the reason why he left that one up to us is if he would have died for that, everybody would be born saved and our will would have nothing to do with it. God is not about to force salvation on us. Satan forced the curse on the earth against us. We were born into it. Adam forced that on us. We had no choice, but God is a gentleman. And after the cross, he simply now says, whosoever will may come. And if we voluntarily receive him, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Hebrews 1, 3, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 13 says, here's what he said to him, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He says, sit down here. In the meantime, between the time that you arose into heaven and sat down and the time that I will make your enemies your footstool, the church will be handling this. We're gonna sit in heaven. We will work through them and work with them, but this is their responsibility. They now stand in your place, Jesus, the same anointing, the same life on the inside of them, the same miracle power has been given to them, even a broader message than what you had, Jesus, has been given, because now they have the writings of Paul and Peter and Luke and the other writers of the New Testament that Jesus wasn't even available when you were on the earth. Now it is because we have a better covenant, established upon better promises. And so this is what it's talking about. That's been handed to us. But when Jesus Christ, it's time for the enemies to be made his footstool. This is what he is, is Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega, he is Alpha and Omega. We fill in everything in between. When Alpha sat down at the right hand of the Father after redemption, the church began and we've been doing it all this time. There's gonna come a time when Jesus will come back to this earth, but he will stand up. And he said, sit down until... I make your enemies your footstool. And when Jesus Christ arises, that's when the enemies are gonna be made the footstool of Jesus. In the meantime, he set down as alpha. He will stand back up as omega. We fill everything in between. When he was in this earth, the disciples worked with him. While he's in heaven, now he works with us. And he's now working through the church. In fact, it says that, that with the Great Commission, and he worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. So Jesus will come back one day, but when he sat down at the right hand of the Father, that's when salvation was complete. Hebrews 1, 3 again, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus at this statement, when he said again, it is finished, was referring to the law, it was over. Galatians 4, 4, Jesus was made under the law to redeem those that were under the law. He said, I did not come to destroy the law of the prophets. I didn't come but to fulfill. Jesus fulfilled all scripture. He fulfilled all prophecies of his coming and of his work on the cross. He fulfilled every law and every sacrifice under the law of Moses and the laws and sacrifices that have been fulfilled in Jesus were no longer necessary for sinner's salvation or believer's spirituality. It all comes back to the simple walk of faith. 
The path to God for sinner's salvation is now the mediator, Jesus Christ. He always has been, but the law was given back there to help teach about that. Now that Jesus Christ has come, we have the teaching directly from the word of God and directly from the Holy Spirit. The path to God for saints, for forgiveness of sins as a Christian, is now our high priest, our arbitrator, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus didn't drink the sour wine to dull the pain. No, but in our place as a symbol of the bitter taste of the inability to keep the law, he took it and wanted everybody to know it's over. I drank it for you. You don't have to drink. At Jesus' death, the veil separating man from God was removed and the cloth veil was torn from the top to the bottom as a sign. The law was removed. Man was reconciled to God. The real scapegoat on that day was sent out and his name was Jesus. He brought the day of atonement and he'll never have to be sent out again. Guess what? You and I have entered into eternal life. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.